1: In segment three, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll tell you some of our favorite ads. We'll talk about the enormous record-setting TV audience that tuned in. That's all coming up in segment three. In segment four, Annie Peterson, she's with the Associated Press. She's going to join us from Vancouver, British Columbia, site of the 2010 Winter Olympics. We'll get the lowdown on everything going on in the ground sports business-wise in Vancouver. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. My Twitter handle at SB Radio. I'm joined in studio by our producer, Bobby Corser, and by Nathan Roach. Uh, guys, Quickly, lots going on this weekend. We've got the Winter Olympics kicking off. We've got the Daytona 500. We've got the NBA All-Star
2: Game. What do you watch? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually going to be in Victoria, British Columbia, just, just next to Vancouver. So I think I'm going to have to watch the Olympic Games in Canada. Although I'm going to be a little bummed about uh, missing some of the other stuff that's going on.
3: Uh, I'll watch the opening ceremonies Friday. I'll watch a little bit of uh, stuff on Saturday, but for me, pretty much this weekend belongs in Daytona.
1: Now, how is this for irony? Dallas, Texas, site of the NBA All-Star Game, tons of snow. Vancouver, site of the Winter Olympics, warmest January
2: in 74 years, they can't find snow. I think they need to trade venues. Yeah, this is when you wish the Winter Olympics was again in New York because uh, you'd at least have some snow. Vancouver's struggling right now. Yeah, they're struggling big time. But it will be interesting to see
1: how they put on these games. And we will be covering the games very closely with Annie Peterson, our sports business radio correspondent, who works for the Associated Press over the next few weeks. All right, headlines coming up. Danica Patrick, NASCAR. We'll tell you more about that. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: We are back and it's time for this week's edition of Sports Business Radio Headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the Super Bowl won by the New Orleans Saints over the Indianapolis Colts. CBS and their executives guys dancing in the streets. After the game, they can now say that they are the owners, the network that has broadcast the two highest viewed TV programs in U.S. TV history. This game now has the top slot, 106.5 million viewers. That beats the record of 106 million viewers for the CBS series finale of MASH all the way back in 1983. Two things about that stat. One, I think some people are surprised that this game is the most viewed TV program of all time. And then back in 1983, there weren't as many people as there are today. There weren't as many TV sets as there are today.
2: 106 million people tuning in to watch MASH? Are you kidding me? Well, there wasn't a lot of programming on back then either. Now there's a lot of choices. It's tough to narrow in on one audience, uh, you know, on one program anymore. I, for one, am one of those guys who's shocked by these numbers. I think had it been Favre versus Manning, I could understand that. And, you know, and yeah, it's a feel-good story and everything like that, but to be the highest-rated TV show of all time program, is amazing to me with this matchup.
3: But, you know, you know, the funny thing is, though, they held the number for a majority of the game because it was a good game. Right. And I think that's the one key because, listen, Indianapolis had their chances to put that game away, and they didn't.
1: Well, but the last three years have been good games. I mean, think about it. When I was growing up, the Super Bowl was all this hype, and the game was a blowout. If you're a young person today, you're watching the Super Bowl going, God, this is great. I mean, a few years ago you had uh, Patriots and Giants comes down to the end. Last year, you have Cardinals-Steelers comes down to the end. This year, You know it looked like this game might go into overtime until uh, Peyton throws a pick six. Now, it was a great game, but again, I'm a little bit surprised that this game drew 106 million people. Now, when you talk about advertisers, we're going to talk about that in our next segment because I want to get your guys' thoughts on the ads you like the most and We'll kind of go inside and review the business side of the Super Bowl. Our next headline, NBA All-Star Weekend. It's taking place in Dallas. First time, I think, since 1986 that the game has been held in North Texas. And this is really a collaboration between Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. When the Cowboys built their new stadium, they said, hey, Let's bring the All Star game to Dallas. David Stern this week said, doesn't think it's going to be a regular occurrence, but everyone wants to be able to say this was the largest audience to ever attend an NBA game, the largest audience to ever attend any kind of an All-Star
2: game, and they're shooting for a 100,000 people. We'll talk about two separate personalities, Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban. I can't think of two guys that are more opposite than the two of them, but they got a lot to compete with. They're both big promoters, though. Well, they are huge promoters. I'll give them that. But, I mean, they're going up against the Winter Olympics, which isn't as big as the Summer Games. But uh, I think the All-Star weekend's going to have a tough time really drawing as big of an audience as we've seen in years past even though with all the hype about Dallas.
1: Well, and I want to say I totally agree with that. I mean, let's think about this weekend for a minute. We have the kickoff of the Winter Olympics. We have the Daytona 500, which we'll talk about in a moment. You've got the NBA All-Star Game. And on Sunday, when these things are going on, you've got the dreaded Valentine's Day. Now, for the married men out there, Nathan, for the men with girlfriends, do you really think that your ladies going to sit down on the couch with you and watch sports. This is a reason why I think while we may see huge attendance numbers in Dallas, I'll bet you
2: TNT's numbers on Sunday night are dismal. Well, I don't want and it- we have a female audience that listens to this show, so you never know. There's some sports fans out there that might want to sit down and watch a little sports with their significant other, husband or wife.
1: Sure, but I still think those numbers are going to be dismal on Sunday night when everyone's out having dinner with their valentine
3: the other thing that you have to remember this will be the most attended NBA game to see a bunch of replacement players because a majority of the people elected to the all-star team or the ones that the coaches have chosen have injuries or have other deals listen Allen Iverson guy hasn't played more than 40 minutes literally all season long and he's going to be a starter for the east I mean really Come on. Well, and Tracy
1: McGrady, too. I mean, Tracy McGrady's played three games this year. He's the highest-paid player in the NBA, which is a joke. And, you know, I've got a problem with all-star games. I mean, I know it's cool for some of the fans, but it's really become a corporate event for not only the NBA, but for the NFL. I mean, look, the NFL had 34 players that took a pass on playing in the Pro Bowl. Really, you know, Major League Baseball, all-star game, probably the most authentic of the all-star games. And... You could probably get an argument there, but I just think NBA All-Star Week, and I remember when there was all this anticipation about it. Now, really, for the NBA, the buzz I'm hearing this week isn't about the All-Star game. It's about the trade deadline coming up this upcoming week and which big players and big contracts might be moved and how might that set up teams for the summer of LeBron and Bosh and Dwayne Wade and possibly guys like Amari Stoudemire and, and Carlos Boozer.
2: Well, and I'm one of those guys that will debate you on whether or not the NBA All-Star Game go head-to-head with, the, with Major League Baseball in terms of its authenticity. I think that the All-Star Game, by nature, in the past, this is going to be a little bit of a different year, they usually showcase some of the biggest stars. Now, I, I, I agree it's become kind of a corporate event, but I like the All-Star Weekend NBA as much as I do Major League Baseball. I mean, Major League Baseball is a home run derby. And an all-star game has the slam dunk contest, which so, who
1: cares about that? I mean, there's
2: Nate Robinson and a bunch of nobody. Oh in come that on! No, 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 hold on for a sec. Every single year we talk about. Well, you know, I mean, Dwight Howard was in it a couple more years ago, and we never we never know what to expect. And I think that every year, for the most part, in the last ten years, every other year, I've been shocked by some of the dunks I've seen.
1: All right, we'll review it on the show next week, and I guarantee you, I'm going to be disappointed. All right. Oh, and Genesis. by the way, good thing that the Cowboy Stadium has a roof that closes because it's snowing in Dallas. They could use some of that snow in Vancouver, as we said earlier in the show. Our next headline, the Daytona 500, and the buzz around the Daytona 500, Bobby, our auto racing expert, is Danica Patrick is going to be making her debut on the Nationwide Series. I don't really care that much about that. I look at Danica as more of a GoDaddy.com girl than I do a NASCAR driver. I want to see... Is Junior going to do anything this year? Yes.
3: What's he going to do? Yes, I fully expect him to be contending for a cup. Why? What's the difference this year as opposed to last year? You know, yes, he's a teammate of Mark Martin. Yes, he's a teammate of Jimmy Johnson. Yes, he's a teammate of Hendrick Motorsports. I think this is a year, though, that he kind of figures down and pulls it together. He did a sit-down interview with ESPN earlier this week, and they asked him, listen, you have your hand in so many other businesses. Are you distracted by this? And he flat-out says, well, maybe, but probably not. And you can see the wheels turning in his head. Like, you know what? And I have a feeling just hearing the way that, you know, he's done practice and stuff with the Nationwide Series and the Cup Series this, this week. I think this is his year. I really do. I just, something just tells me it's his time. Bobby, I know you're
1: going to be watching Daytona. Nathan, are you going to be, uh, Budding up with the TV, uh, with the cold one, watching uh, the Daytona 500?
2: Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, that's I, right. I don't even know if they're going to have the All-Star I'm sure, game I, I, up there. I'm going to be watching the Olympics. <laughs> I'm sure the CBC will have coverage uh, of Daytona. Of the Daytona, yeah, I bet. It's huge in Canada. I, I
1: will do my duty as the host of this show and try and watch a little of all the events we've just described, but uh, I'm just not a huge Daytona
2: 500 See, fan. See, Brian has this room that has like seven TVs that he yeah, just sits in I front wish. of. It's all sports
3: channels. I, I will say this. If you want to watch an event Saturday... Watch Danica's debut because, listen, she has a chance. I'm not going to say she's going to come out and win it. I mean, she's not even considered among racing experts as a favorite, but she's definitely a dark horse. And she did well in the ARCA race last weekend. I really think this is this is a race to watch just as she does. Yes, she's not racing the big series, but yes, she is driving against some of the big boys that do race in the big series. So I think it's a really good test for her.
1: All right, and when she wins races, uh, Michelle, we will start dominating on the LPGA tour as oh, the well. PGA tour.
3: Our last headline
1: of the week: Shahid Khan, the Wrath of Khan. He's an Illinois businessman, and he's in negotiations to buy the St. Louis Rams. He's been a longtime fan. He says he'll keep him in St. Louis. He's Pakistani, and he would be obviously the first Pakistani owner in the NFL. And uh, this will be an interesting story to watch and we'll let you know more about uh, the completion of that sale. In the near future, it would take a few weeks, but there are negotiations that are ongoing. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to discuss the Super Bowl commercials, tell you what we thought were the best ones, most disappointing ones. And then after that, Annie Peterson with the Associated Press is going to join us from Vancouver, British Columbia. She's our sports business radio winter Olympic correspondent. We'll go inside the business of the 2010 Winter Olympics. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: We are back, and as we told you in our last segment, CBS's broadcast of Super Bowl forty-four, the most watched television program in U.S. television history, one hundred six and a half million people tuned in. Now, guys, a lot of spots run during that time, and CBS did sell out all the spots. But as we told you on last week's show. The spot price has dropped from three million last year on NBC to an average price of two point five to two point eight this year on CBS. All right, I'm going to ask you guys which spots you like the most and which spots you like the least. Let's start with the most, and I'll, I'll give you some of the spots that I liked. First of all, uh, the Ad Meter Award, USA's Ad Meter Award winner, which Budweiser had won it for a number of years. Doritos won last year. This year, Snickers won, and it was the Betty White spot where they were playing football in the mud, and I thought it was very well done, and I gotta tell you, isn't it amazing on viral media this week on the internet how Betty White has become a rock star? I mean, people want her to host Saturday Night Live, and she's all over Facebook, and, uh, this spot during the Super Bowl is kind of uh thrust her back into the uh public image.
2: Oh, I I loved that spot, but I'll tell you my favorite spot was a very short spot, not even for a commercial advertiser, but I thought the Letterman Leno spot with Oprah. Can you was believe Leno did rude. that? Yes, I can. Leno He must be desperate. Well, Leno and needs NBC to repair his PR image. That's exactly why he does something like this. He's trying to gain some fans back that's, you know, and I thought If you read the article about how the the whole spot was done, it's pretty cool. NBC flew him to New York on a private jet. They dressed him up in a hoodie, a mustache, and sunglasses and snuck him in through the back door to shoot this at CBS. Sorry, CBS flew him out there, but they shot it in about 30 minutes, but they had to sneak him in so nobody else saw it. Nobody knew I can't this believe was NBC signed off on it. Oh, I can totally believe NBC signed off on it. It's the Super Bowl. NBC and CBS, Letterman and Leno fans are watching, and they say, oh, well, that's cool that Leno did that. That's, that's a funny spot. You know, try and build a little bit of character back. With what about this spot?
1: And you can never go wrong with Megan Fox in your spot. Motorola. You know, and this has a little bit of a sports application, especially for those of us that live here in Portland, Oregon, with a few weeks ago Mr. Greg Oden, who had some pictures of his manlyhood that were <laughs> circ- there floating around the Internet. And Megan Fox in this commercial, I thought it was, it was very well done. It was tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's her in a bathtub. What would happen if I took a picture? What would happen if I sent these pictures out and you see, you know, uh, power lines going down and uh, men slapping women for looking at the pictures and men slapping men? And it was just I thought it was very uh, humorous and well done. And it actually kind of made a point that in this day and age, look. Stuff gets around the internet, and you got to be careful what you're taking pictures of.
2: You know, one of my favorite things about the Super Bowl in the last couple of years has actually been Doritos and their approach to doing their ads and letting, you know, home videos and people submit their own. Because I think that, honestly, some of the ones we've seen in the past have been better than most of the ads. I thought last year's Doritos ones.
1: ads were good, and again, they got the Ad Meter Award this year. I thought they stunk.
2: I thought they were horrible. But, you know— that's I where, like the opportunity to get people involved. I think you're getting more bang for your buck by doing that. Well, if you're yeah, spending, you're saving a lot of money. Exactly, and that's why Dorito does it. And actually, I think that they've been pretty good. Uh, what was the ad where uh, the little kid, does he slap the guy or scolds the guy? That was for Doritos. Doritos for, for dating his or going out with his right. mom. I, I thought that was brilliant.
1: Don't eat my Doritos don't, eat my don't Doritos, look at my mom. Don't look at my mama. Yeah, yeah it, it was okay. Um it was interesting to me how many celebrity endorsers were used in ads. So we talked about Megan Fox, homeaway.com, a company I had never heard of before, used the Griswolds. Uh, Made them look like Chevy 100. Chase And Beverly, they are 100, what? and Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, that was interesting. You know, again, that's a company that you don't hear of, and then you see them in the spot and in the Super Bowl, and you go, wow, okay, now I, I know about that company. I really like the McDonald's horse commercial. So back in 1993, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, in a very popular commercial where they play the game of horse, if you're a basketball fan, and in this spot, it was LeBron James against Dwight Howard, and then at the end, you see Larry Bird come in, and uh, he ate their lunch, which they had bet a game of uh, horse on. So I just thought it was well done, and uh, you know I was kind of like, oh man, I hope they don't Usually, when you do something the second time around, it's not as good as the original. I thought this was pretty good. Well,
2: you know, to compare that to an ad that just ran a couple years ago, Troy Polamalo and the old Coca Cola ad, you know, I I was kind of weighing which, I was thinking in my head which one I like better because I liked both original ads. I I actually, I I thought the LeBron ad was okay. Um, I thought it was a little cheesy with the dunks. I loved Larry Bird, Michael Jordan's, you know, rendition of Horse. So. I, I wasn't as big a fan of that one as I was Paul Amalo, but a uh, oh, good ad. Speaking of Paul Amalo, did you like oh. the Puxatani Paul Amalo ad?
1: Great
3: ad. That
2: was very funny. Uh, he's a character. I mean, talk about a guy that knows how to market himself and pick the you know the right commercials and the right ads to be a part of or right companies to associate himself with. I thought that was great. Now there were two commercials run back to back that were flat out disturbing.
1: Number one was CareerBuilders dot com, where there were a lot of people. In their underwear casual and yeah, oh. casual Friday, the other one right after that is dockers, where people are running around without any dockers on with no pants in their underwear and I wonder if it was a strategy by CBS or by anyone to run those commercials back to back because there was a lot of skin and not the Sports Illustrated well, swimsuit issue type of skin in those two spots. Well, what
2: about the Bud Light spot that was along the same lines, too? Like, for you, you, they were donating clothes for a clothes drive, and they're taking off their clothes. So they get Bud Light, and at the end, everybody's naked because they've donated their clothes. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I thought those spots were funny. I'd have to disagree with you. I, I like those ads. It's not that I like looking at what was on the screen, but I thought that they were creative and quirky. Bobby, were there any commercials that you uh, particularly liked?
3: The one I really like is the kids toys. I want to say it was Kia where the kids, you know, child's toys were oh, yeah. was yeah. driving around because that, you know, they're in Vegas. Yeah, they're in Vegas and, and they're yeah. having fun and, you know yeah. the 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 sock monkey or whatever it is, you know, gets a tattoo Yeah, and they're riding the bull. I just thought it was kind of creative. And and then it kind of come back at the end of it, but I I really think that was one and you know it's one of those commercials that they're now, you know, using in their campaign. Another
1: really interesting spot and it was the debut of this company on the big stage TV-wise, Google. And I thought Google did a great spot. I thought it was a great spot, too. I thought it was one of the winners of, of the entire Super Bowl. But, you know, isn't that amazing that a company like Google had never really run a, ma- a major TV spot before, and they had never had a Super Bowl after? Well,
2: you know, and every year it continues to amaze me, even though we know that they run tons of them. But Bud Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, how many spots they purchased. I know we we probably have those numbers. but I think it's, it was seven. Uh, yeah, that's amazing to me every year I watch them. Now, I was disappointed in Budweiser. Every year I look forward to those ads, and I didn't think any of them blew me away as being great ads, and that's probably why they didn't win. But I was a little disappointed in Anheuser-Busch this year.
1: Yeah, I thought they were average at best. Uh, the Coca-Cola ads with uh, the Simpsons, And then everybody loved those other ones. Was that great? There was another Coca Cola ad, and I can't remember who was in it. Well, must not have been that memorable. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, interesting that that, uh, they got into the game with two ads no Pepsi this year. All right, coming up next, we are going to talk with Annie Peterson. She's with the Associated Press. She's going to join us from Vancouver, British Columbia, site of the 2010 Winter Olympics. She's going to be with us for the next few weeks. We're going there next. You're listening to Sports. Business Radio.
0: Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a
1: wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately, I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience?
4: It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense.
1: My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention?
4: You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're
1: joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS.
3: What we want is for the best Two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS.
0: Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: Our guest is Annie Peterson. She's with the Associated Press. She is on the ground in Vancouver, British Columbia. She's going to be our Sports Business Radio Winter Olympic correspondent during the duration of the Vancouver Games. Annie, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thank you, Brian. So you're there covering a lot of different stories. And as we are taking, we're getting underway in week one of the Olympics. What are some of the big storylines? that you're covering there in uh Vancouver.
4: Well, the huge storyline for everybody who's here is obviously Lindsay Vaughn and whether her shin will allow her to race in the five events that she had planned on uh racing in. Now she is obviously America's biggest and brightest star. Uh she was on uh or she's a an uh sports illustrated swimsuit model. She was on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Olympic edition, right. in her uh, in her ski suit too, um, she is she is the face of the U.S. team by far. Um, she you know totally dropped a bomb on Wednesday when she said, you know I've I've got this injury. She hadn't told anybody about it before. She said I've got this injury. It, and suddenly the questions exploded about whether or not she was going to compete. Now, if Lindsay doesn't compete, it is, you know, it is a disaster for the U.S. team. I mean, obviously she is the face of the team. And losing her is 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 much like, uh, you know, uh, four years ago, losing Bodie Miller. Bodie Miller was supposed to – he he wasn't lost, but he just didn't perform in Turin six, in four years ago. So, uh, so Lindsay, if Lindsay doesn't compete, NBC, the NBC Olympic coverage, they're already saying that they're expecting to lose $200 million on this Olympics. And it will grow exponentially if Lindsay Vaughn is not in those televised events. Um, the other big, uh, I should kind of qualify that, though. Lindsay is not the only star. Sean White is. The snowboarder, obviously, is, is one of America's best hopes also for a medal, and he should run away with, the you know, his snowboard. Yeah, his I mean, the thing about but- Lindsey
1: Vaughn that's interesting, Annie, is, you know, she's got 10 sponsors. Like you said, she's been the face, the cover girl of the U.S. team in the media, and it's really surprising that we're just learning of this injury now. I mean, I would think that, uh, you know— Sponsors who are paying her all this money would be just as shocked as uh, doctors that are checking out this injury this week.
4: Right. Well, I. Everybody. I mean, every, everybody was seriously stunned, and uh, she, you know, she she announced it in a in in a television interview with one of the with the NBC Morning Show, and uh, and then and it just it took off. But, you know, the injury grew in epic proportions from there. But, you know, it's it's funny because the Vancouver, the Vancouver press, the Canadian press is kind of uh, they're kind of, uh, you know, sniffing at her, calling her, you know, the blonde swimsuit model from Vail. And uh, and so so there's there's I I think there's a sense even even uh, here that that uh, that, you know, she she's a cover girl. and, And does that really lend seriousness to the sport?
1: We're joined by Annie Peterson. She's with the Associated Press. She's on the ground in Vancouver, British Columbia. She's going to be joining us for the next few weeks as our Sports Business Radio Winter Olympic correspondent. Uh, Annie, what other athletes and brands are you seeing visibly marketed on-site there in Vancouver?
4: Oh, gosh, it's it's Sean White everywhere. Uh, Sean White, the snowboarder, is, uh, is just... He's the man, and uh, he is... His face is everywhere and uh and he is he's really and he's really pretty much the man to beat uh in in the snowboarding events but um also apollo obviously apollo ono right. is huge um it, it's interesting because this year in um this year the us doesn't really have a figure skater uh you know in in the past we've ha- we've had prominent American women figure skaters. Sasha
1: Cohen, um, Michelle you know, Kwan, right.
4: Exactly. And this year, you know, it people would be very hard, you know, the average person is not going to know who the U.S. entries are in for, for figure skating. I think either for the men or for the women, uh, Johnny Weir uh, for the men is is quite popular just because he's so flamboyant and he attracts attention to himself. Right. Um uh, but yeah, so it's kind of a weird uh, Olympics in that sense because the fig- figure skating is not going to be the most watched event it- from a U.S. standpoint. It will be the downhill skiing.
2: Annie, this is Nathan. I guess the question I have is: is most people are aware of Apollo and and Sean White and Lindsay. Are there any athletes there that could come away? You know that people aren't aware of right now. Who might those athletes be, or, or teams for that matter, uh, where all of a sudden we don't know who they are, and we see this happen every Olympics, and then all of a sudden they're Olympic champion? Who might that be?
4: Well, uh, you know, I am. I am going to put a lot of uh, my. Uh, I'm going to put a lot of of my faith in the Canadian. All of the Canadian teams. I mean. There is an, an amazing amount of national pride at this game, and there is a tremendous amount of pressure for these athletes, these Canadian athletes, to medal. Uh, uh, the Canadians have never won a gold medal in an Olympics that has been played on their soil. So in wow. Montreal and in Calgary, there were no gold medals uh, won by Canadians. So they are um, they they invested millions. I think the estimate was 117 million dollars on their Olympic teams leading up to this Olympics to get them to the to the point where they would have a good medal showing. And of course, um, what we're looking at at this point is uh, you know Team Canada in, in hockey with Sid the Kid, Sid Crosby. Uh, they should have a pretty interesting battle with the Russians, uh, you know, if if all goes according to plan for the gold medal. And yeah, there's the Canadian curling team, which um, both the men's and women's teams are the top teams in the world, and they, they fully expect that they are going to win the gold medal.
1: I'm telling you, curling may be the big story at the end of these Olympics, right?
4: <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got Stephen Colbert, uh, obviously, is backing backing the U.S. uh, curling team. And uh, I believe it is this weekend the new Simpsons episode uh, features Marge and Homer Simpson as uh, curlers on the U.S. team.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. See, that's some good inside information that uh, that our listeners would like. (laughs) So let me ask you about this. I'm reading the reports, and it says... This is the warmest January in Vancouver, British Columbia, in 74 years. When you're hosting the Winter <laughs> Olympics, that's not what you want. What are they doing for snow there?
4: Okay, well, you know, I, it's just it, it's really interesting, Brian. Right? I mean, I was I I was out running this morning at seven o'clock this morning and i was wearing a sweatshirt and that's all i needed and wow. here we are at the here we are at the winter olympics you know there's supposed to be snow everywhere um, there is a lot of concern um um about the weather they are uh trucking in the snow um for the um especially for the halfpipe the snowboard halfpipe because it's it's closer Uh, down toward the city. It's not up in Whistler. Now, Whistler right now, it's snowing up there. And there's another issue with that because when it snows and it rains and the temperatures are so high, that snow is very heavy and very slushy. And that causes problems for downhill skiers also. So even though, you know, the forecast is snow and people may be thinking, oh, hooray, it's snowing. This is great for the Olympics. It actually isn't. They want it, you know, they want dry, very cold conditions. They want the downhill skiers especially want the the course to be very fast. And what they have uh, what they did yesterday um, up on the mountain was they injected the men's course with water, and what that does is it makes it very, very slippery and very icy, and it kind of has a, it kind of creates a harder surface on the top, and that's to help combat the slushiness. But on the flip side, it's very controversial because some skiers, Lindsey Vonn included say that it actually makes the course dangerous and makes and you know makes it worse for, for makes injuries that happen worse rather than falling in soft snow obviously you're falling on hard ice. So so the the injection of the men's course was slightly controversial. They tend to inject it they don't inject the whole course, they only inject parts of it, so people say it creates an uneven surface. Et cetera, et cetera. So the weather is turning out to be kind of the overriding, overhanging, you know, what if in this Olympics nobody quite knows what's going to happen. Now, next week, apparently during the middle of the week for some of the snow, from the, some of the downhill snowboard events, it's actually supposed to be clear, cool, and sunny, which would be ideal for those guys. But who knows if that's going to hold out.
2: Along the same lines of preparation, if you will, the last couple Olympics we've talked a lot about uh, was Beijing prepared, and there was a lot of logistical nightmares right before it happened. Do you feel like Vancouver right right now that everything's going smoothly and there's there's no concern and lo- from a logistical standpoint?
4: You know what? As far as I can see, it is. You know, Beijing was a whole different animal because we were so. Uh, as journalists, we were so protected from the rest of Beijing. You know, I mean, we were very separate from everything. They made everything around us look good. And they wanted to present China in the best way possible. So there was really no chance to stray outside of China's very confining rules about where you could go and how you could get there and Buses and 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 you know fences and all kinds of stuff. This is a whole different experience, and it's much freer. And as as a result, I think that logistically it is going a lot better. Um, Vancouver is a beautiful city. Um, if you've ever been up here, it really is a neat city, and it really is cosmopolitan. And it's it it just they have really done a fantastic job on getting things together now that said some of the obviously the events are spaced pretty far apart i mean we're we're an hour and a half two hour bus ride from whistler so the people who are dealing with the downhill skiing are staying there In Whistler, you know, all the athletes and all of the media and all of the support people and all of that. So it's almost kind of like there's two separate Olympics going on there's the mountain Olympics and then there's the, you know, hockey and ice skating Olympics down here.
1: Interesting. We're joined by Annie Peterson. She's with the Associated Press. She's going to be our sports business radio winter Olympic correspondent during the duration of the Vancouver Games. We've got just a few minutes left. Uh, I saw this week that WADA has banned 30 athletes and they have not released the names of those athletes. How big of a story is that? I mean, every Olympic game, we see that there are athletes who do not pass the drug tests, who end up not being able to compete. The IOC has some pretty strict uh, guidelines when it comes to drug testing. How big of a story is it? And is there, I guess we don't know the names yet, but uh, it could be interesting to see if there are any major athletes on that list.
4: Now, you know what, I don't believe there's any major athletes on that list, and the the reason that I say that is because all of the major athletes have been um, appearing at the, they have, what they do is they bring everybody down to Vancouver and they have press conferences for every sport. Uh, for the media. So, so, you know, the U.S. bobsled team, you know, followed by the German bobsled team, followed by the Japanese bobsled team, or whatever. They all have news conferences in the days leading up to opening ceremonies. So, uh, so all of those athletes get a chance to kind of preview their sport and their sports stars for the, for the world's media. And that, you know, that helps people who obviously don't Follow the German bobsled team kind of get a get a handle on it that being said there have been I have not noticed and i 've been to many of these things over the past two days I have not noticed any of the big names missing from these press conferences, which would lead me to believe i mean if if you're if you test um, and uh, one of the members of the uh, U.S. skeleton team, a couple of or four years ago, got uh, got flunked a drug test, and he was yanked very quickly. Um, from from what I can understand, from the way he talked about it today, but um, this 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 situation this situation is everybody who is supposed to be here that is a recognized. Figure in their sport is here so i would not expect any big names to come out
1: well when we catch up with you next week we'll know more about lindsey vaughn we will see yes. if the conditions get any better there for the winter olympics and we'll see if there's any big names on that list but annie where can people follow your work and the work of your colleagues uh, during these winter games if they want to go online
4: well the uh the a p has a winter games uh website and if you just google it you'll find it uh i uh, the address is a little bit convoluted uh, uh that I can remember but uh there is uh, you can also follow me in, uh, on twitter and i got i've got links to a bunch of stuff i tweet a lot of stuff and i link things up um and that's at a p uh, it's on twitter at at a p oregon sports and i also Tweet about the Blazers and the Ducks so uh, you and and the Beavers and everything else, Oregon. So uh, you can see uh, Olympic stuff mixed in with with Blazers news there.
1: Well, you do a fantastic job. Just think you'll be covering the Blazers trade deadline next week as well as the Winter Olympics. You probably never thought you'd be doing that, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, there's already a lot of rumors floating around.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's a conversation for a different show. All right, Annie, thank you so much for joining us from uh, – vancouver british columbia and we'll look forward to catching up with you uh next week and throughout the duration of the uh, vancouver games
4: oh thank you brian it's really great to be able to help you guys out
1: well i appreciate it we'll talk to you soon take care you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back this is brian berger host of sports business radio every championship team has one thing in common good coaching and i want to be your coach your media coach When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com.
0: The website is sportsbusinessradio.com.
1: We are back, and NBC is going to have a total of 835 hours of coverage of these Vancouver Winter Olympics. And guys, I got a major problem. Here we are in Portland, Oregon, just a few hours away from Vancouver, British Columbia. Same time zone. We have a three-hour delay for NBC's coverage of the Olympics. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Why can't they show live to the East Coast and the West Coast where we are? Again, we're, what, two and a half, three hours away from Vancouver, British Columbia, and I got to watch on a three-hour time delay? This is what's wrong with the TV coverage now because in this day and age, you can get things on the Internet. You can get things on Twitter. You can get things on Facebook. You're going to find out what's going on. Now, i got to wait three hours to see the footage of it on NBC? Give me a break.
2: Well, first of all, Brian, we're seven hours away from Vancouver, but that doesn't excuse the fact that we're in the same time zone. The beef that I have with NBC is the fact that, yes, they have an application for your mobile device, my iPhone, but you can't watch streaming video on it. And I feel like in this day and age, with the Masters, with the NCAA basketball tournament, with stuff like that, you need to be able to give people access to watch streaming video on their phone.
3: It's not like NBC has really any real you know, solid programming leading up that they can show the West Coast that's going to make any amount of difference. Listen, they get huge ratings if they showed it to the West Coast live. I don't understand why they don't.
1: All right, I want to remind you quickly, this Thursday, if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, February 18th, we're going to be doing our debut Sports Executive Speaker Series event with the Warsaw Center from the University of Oregon. Larry Miller, who is the president of the Portland Trailblazers, he's worked with the Jordan brand, he's worked with Jansen, he is going to be our featured guest. $35 per person, it's breakfast 7 to 9 a.m. If you want to get a ticket to the event, go to sportsbusinessradio.com or warsawcenter.com. We would love to see you. Make sure you come up to us at the event and say hello and say hello and uh, we can show you our our faces. You can put a voice with a face. It's going to be scary, trust me. All right, thanks to Annie Peterson with the Associated Press. We look forward to having her on over the next few weeks as our Olympic correspondent, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page, follow me on Twitter, at SBRadio. Listen to our tremendous new Sports Business Radio spot from Bobby Corser, and we'll see you next week on Sports Business Radio.